Welcome, Niners Nation. We are recapping the seventh day, I believe, of training camp. So one week in the books of training camp. They have one week to go. Um, if you missed it yesterday, there was a massive, massive fight. And, and that's exaggerating. It was. It was fun, though. And actually, Jimmy Ward talked about it today. And he said that was necessary, minus the fights, of course. But um, today was a little more subdued practice. No pads. Nick Bosa wasn't there. Uh, George Kittle wasn't in pads either. Jalen Moore wasn't. So um, obviously a player a little <laughs> a little different from the first two. But I'm, I'm joined by Jordan Elliott, uh, who has been at camp. Um, he was watching the defense. I was watching the offense. We're going to go through a little bit of what we saw at practice. And then we're going to recap with uh, the player of the day who pretty unanimous and Jimmy Ward kind of tipped off who that was. So Jordan, let's start with the defense because you know, we, we talk about how dominant the defense is, but we really don't talk about like who. And obviously with no Bosa, I think it kind of uh, you kind of get a pic better picture of, you know, the defensive lines because these guys are really deep. So let's let's talk about who stood out a lot up front. You know, I thought it was another impressive day for uh, Kinloff. I thought that he was somebody that looked as explosive as I've seen him uh, since coming in. And I think that it's very clear that the uh, recovery is, gone according to plan and he's somebody that I believe will have an instant impact from day one he looks not only great when he's in team drills and in team periods but he's moving around with a lot of energy and it just it, the vibe that I'm getting off is that he's feeling really good and I, I just think that it's such a shame that two years of development were taken away because of an unfortunate couple of injuries that had occurred and I don't think talent has ever been an issue he's an extremely talented football player and you know he's only going to get better from here with those reps some really encouraging what I saw from him. I thought Kevin Givens, again, looked really explosive on that interior. There was no Nick Bosa today, so we saw a couple different guys on the edge. Charles Amenihue was looking really strong. I thought Kamoko Ture had a couple really good reps today, too. So it was just another instance where I thought the defensive line as a whole looked really good for the majority of practice. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Like, there is somebody new who seemingly steps up every day. And I'm glad you point out Givens because it seems like he's been pretty consistent throughout camp. So... One thing about Kinlaw is he's been in good spirits no matter what, no matter if he's playing, um, if he's off to the side, you can tell him by, you, can, you pointed this out to me that he's, you know, vibing to the music. It seems like he's engaged and that's what you want. D'Amico Ryans, uh, he spoke after practice and he was talking about whenever I walk by Kinlaw, I'm just preaching technique, technique, technique. So they're aware of the talent. They're aware that if he does his job, they're going to be very, very tough. Um, I think he's probably going to be a little bit of the DJ Jones role, but even if he's not, like if, if the 49ers come out and have two, three techs, whether it's Armstead and Kinlaw, uh, they're, if they get anything out of him, like to the level of DJ Jones, this D-line can be very, very special. And speaking of the defensive line, uh, Mike McGlinchey pointed out, like he was asked, like, is, do you ever go against another team and it feels like it's easier than what you go against in practice. And he started out in phrase like, hey, I don't want to insult anybody. But then he went into an answer where just the depth, uh, the attention to detail and the skill level along the defensive line makes him the best unit. And uh, it's tough to argue with him just looking around. Like we, me and you were talking about some of the guys who might not make it. Like Kamiko Ture, he's probably going to make it. Um, but these are guys at the bottom of the roster, whether it's Ture, uh, whether it's Robert Kambiche, whether it's Kerry Hyder. Kerry Hyder just started for the Seahawks pretty much all season last year, and he's on the roster bubble now. So that kind of gives you an idea of just how talented and deep this defensive line is. All right, let's move to linebacker. Did anything stand out on linebacker today? Obviously, yesterday, uh, Fred Warner was all over the place and probably not in the best way. 
Yeah, the first thing that jumped out to me was the first two plays of the team period that were both rushing plays, and Oren Burks was running with the first team. And obviously there was a lot of talk about the value he'd bring on special teams, but I also think he's going to provide a very valuable uh, addition as a depth guy there with Flanagan Fowles. Um, and probably as that fifth linebacker in the room. And he had the tackle on the first two rushing plays of the game. He was really quick laterally moving to the sideline on a, I think it was a toss on the first play and then his own read play on the next play. Uh, he looked really good um, in that role, running with the first team, uh, playing with the starters today. So he was definitely what probably stood out to me the most. And then I missed it, but uh, KP was saying that Fred Warner was off to the side somewhere juggling three footballs at the same time. That in itself is one of the most impressive feats I've ever seen on a football field, even if it's not in the middle of live action uh, on the field. So, yeah, it was, it was a pretty impressive day all around from the linebacking group. So, yeah, I want to see these guys. T- I want to see that group be- – against somebody else in the preseason. I think I'm ready for that because they fly around. And uh, Trent Williams talked about this a little bit last week, how they know their plays and whatnot. So they have a little advantage. They've seen the same routes, route concepts, and you know they know how to guard the tight ends and running backs by now. So I'm ready to see them go against another challenge. Finally, the secondary. So we saw some, I don't want to say changes, but yesterday, Charvarius Ward was out. Uh, Kadar Holman was the first cornerback in. That was kind of interesting. Uh, we've seen, like, if Jimmy Ward gets a rest, Tarverius Moore goes in. Uh, Tarverius was actually playing a little bit more for Talano Hufunga today. Uh, tell me what you saw from the secondary. You know, what really stood out to me was the actually the second and third teams. I thought with the first team, there were a couple of reps that didn't really, you know, we didn't really get to see how they would have played out. Like, there was a play where Mosley and Debo were kind of working vertically down the sideline, and I thought Mosley – uh, had really good technique off the line, was running with him stride for stride, and the ball just wasn't anywhere near him. It looked like there was some miscommunication. But Diamador Lenore had a couple of big plays today, and he's made a few plays throughout camp, going into his second year, having that year of experience under his belt, um, had some you know reps as a starter last season during the regular season. He had an interception on a tipped ball um, during the first team period, if I recall correctly. And he had a pass breakup later on during team drills as well. And he's somebody that just looks like he has good ball instincts. Uh, I think he's definitely somebody that they have to feel confident about locking up one of those corner spots going into the season because I think they can trust him to make plays on the football and be in the right spot. Um, I I think Holman's another guy that's been really interesting during camp because he got the first kind of crack um, at that uh, run with the ones when Traveris Ward had his vet day the other day. And he's somebody who has good size, who I think is kind of fits that mold of what they look for. But today, you know, I really think that Diamador Lenore was one of the better corners on the field. And I think that he's somebody that's had a pretty strong camp for the most part so far. Our pal Xavier asked about nickel comp and is that intensifying or not? So Darquez Dennard has been pretty much the starter there, but. D'Amico Ryans was also quick to point out that, you know, we're just going to rotate a bunch of guys in there. Uh, Samuel Womack's been mixing in there a little bit. I, I mentioned Holman. He's a guy, I think, who comes in after um, after Denard is in there. So, again, I, I don't know if I would point, like, if I could point to one guy. Um, they, they love Denard just because he, you know, memorized the playbook last year overnight, essentially, to come in and play against the Rams. I don't know if that's a guy that you want, like, covering people. Like, remember, Kwan Williams, as good as he was against the run, team started to pick on him a little bit when he had to just cover man one-on-one, especially down the field. So I don't know if Dinner's a guy you want running down the field, and maybe that's where Womack comes in. But at the same time, uh, they ask a lot out of that position, and you have to be instinctive and you have to be heady. And that's probably where, you know, the difference between Dinner 
and Womack come into play. So I think it's kind of a wait and see as far as the nickel competition goes. It'll play itself out in the preseason, just like the offensive line will. So speaking of, Jake Brindle, once again, was pretty much manning the center position. He switched with Daniel Brunskill, but I, I feel like if they have three series with the starters, it'll be two. Brindle gets two of those series and Brunskill gets one. And honestly, for the last few days, it's primarily been Brindle at center. So I, I think he's going to be the guy. Again, that could change. As of now, he's a guy. So is Spencer Burford. So is Aaron Banks. Those are the starting – that's the starting line right now. It's been pretty consistent and – I thought Burford had a really good day, actually. I thought there was one play where like, they don't ask their guards to pull often, but they ran a little trap play where they left the end of block. Burford got around, kicked him out, and that led to a big running play. So on that play, you don't really see this often from, from linemen. So as soon as that happened, as soon as he made the block, he was sprinting down the field, holding one hand up, celebrating. Like That was really cool to see because Trent Williams talked about his confidence and that being a big reason why he's in the starting lineup. And I think I imagine plays like mm -hmm. that are the reason why. So Trey Lance did have time today, and you have to give credit to Aaron Banks. You have to give credit to the interior line, Brendel, um, Burford. Obviously, I mean, there's nothing to say about Trent Williams that hasn't been said already. Uh, he, is, he is the best in the world, as Mike McGlinchey said today. And speaking of Mike, he said that he's down to his pre-COVID weight. Uh, not sure what that is. I imagine low threes, low low three tens. So if that is the case, I'm something to keep an eye on as far as his athleticism goes. I mean, McGlinchey gets to go against Nick Bosa every day. So if there is going to be a guy to get you ready for the season, it is number 97. Um, I I know that we've had questions about the offensive line. I, I'm still at, as one-sided as camp has been. I'm not too worried about them going against, you know, I would say normal defensive lines, defensive lines that aren't loaded like the 49ers. Do you think that we are making too big of a deal of what the off how the offensive line has looked? Uh, no, I don't think so. Cause I think you're, when you have a quarterback that's entering their first year as a starter, that's always going to be a concern is how are we going to protect them? How are we going to protect the investment we made? How are we going to make him feel comfortable so he can uh, grow and progress um, with his development? But I also think that's kind of part of the region here. They know on the team that Lance has showed, uh, when he was at North Dakota state and what they've seen from having him in the building for a year, like there's a lot of times where the pocket's clean and Lance is going to kind of look to bounce outside and create off structure. And I think that's just kind of part of the equation here where you understand that that's part of what is going to need to happen for them to really uh, maximize the efficiency of this offense. So I'm not saying necessarily that, yeah, you can, you know, have an offensive line that's getting beat a ton because you have a mobile quarterback. But I do definitely think that that's factored into the concern not being as great, probably from the coaching staff as it may be from the fans. And I do think that, again, there's times that the offensive line is doing their job and there is a clean pocket and Lance still kind of looks to run. So I have to believe that's kind of factored into their thinking process when they built out this roster. But again, it's really, really hard to gauge because it's four hours offensive line. I know people, we talk about ad nauseum, people, you know, hear it every single day. When you're watching these guys, and especially when you're up close on the sidelines, watching at the line of scrimmage, how quick the get off is, the athleticism, and it's all across the board. It's not just Nick Bosa crashing off the edge. It's not just Armstead and Givens pulling up the interior. It's all four guys at a given time. And then you have to factor in that D'Amico's throwing all kinds of twists and stunts and having pressure coming in the gaps and sending linebackers and DBs. Like they're getting a, they, they've been thrown into the fire, for lack of better terminology. And I think that they have been responding well after being knocked on pretty the last, you know, or sorry, the first couple of days. They, they were getting absolutely fried to start camp. And I think that they've rebounded really well in the days since then. 
Yeah, they are making Lance work. There's no doubt about that. Okay, so, I mean, I mentioned Kittle's out. Not much to take away there. Uh, Tanner Hudson did have a pretty impressive catch where he kind of just took the ball out of one of the, I believe it was a DB or linebacker's hands. It was number 40, who's I'm blanking right now. But uh, that was a pretty impressive catch down the sideline. Uh, as far as receivers go, same day or different day, same character, man. It, it's We're running out of superlatives to talk about Brand Ayuk, but I think today was – clearly his best day you mentioned that he was the best player on the field jimmy ward said he's having the best camp of any 49er whether offense whether it's defense uh he just he makes difficult catches look a lot easier than they should and i think what's really the difference this year and jimmy ward talked about his confidence but he's winning at all levels so he's not just winning on underneath routes he's not winning on the intermediate in breaking out routes um he's running by guys down the field i mentioned some of the catches that he's making He's jumping up, spinning around, um, catching the ball away from his body. Contested catches is another thing that stood out. D'Amico pointed that out as well. So when he gets his hands on the ball, like he's going to catch it. He's made a couple catches where a guy's been draped all over him. No worries. Not a problem. He's going to make the catch. And that's what the 49ers need. And I would not, again, I wouldn't be surprised, especially in the first half of the season, since he has the rapport right now with Trey Lance that, you know, Ayuk is going to be the leading receiver early on until they at least, you know, get Debo up to speed and figure out you know, Trey Lance and how, how Lance and uh, Sam are going to work together. But um, outside of Ayuk, it, it really didn't seem like there was much of anything going on. Yesterday was Danny Gray's day. Uh, he had a really good day. He was uh, running by Ambry Thomas quite a bit. Um, but other than that, I think it's pretty clear that it's, it's Ayuk, wide receiver one, as Debo continues to work himself back into the fold. Uh, other than that, I think Danny Gray is going to have a leg up eventually on Juwan Jennings. But um, running back, let's talk about that. So it's been the Elijah Mitchell show. Like he's going to be the starter. I think that's pretty clear here. But I would not rule out Trey Sermon. He had one run where he just kind of tripped over himself today. And I think those those are the plays that stick out. But what you do see with Sermon is like he's just noticeably bigger. He is clearly more decisive. And he can catch the ball out of the backfield. There was one throw. Trey Lance, we're, again, we're, we'll talk about his completions and his attempts, which, you know, there's never enough context with that. So he threw a slant right to Mitchell, hit him in the hands, dropped it. And it could have been a big play because, of the, you know, the rest of the field was cleared out. It was a great design. But you need a running back who can create. What I love about Shanahan is that when something doesn't work, especially in this situation, he went right back to Mitchell. So he threw him a pass on the very next play. Mitchell catches it. All is forgiven in a sense since it's practice, but they do need to find some, like a third down back. They need to find somebody who can help them out of the backfield because especially with Lance, you know, looking to run, if that is the case, having that check down option will go a long way uh, for him. So I know you're focusing on defense, but do you think that, I guess, who would be your pick for third down back? Uh, it's gotta be, it's gotta be Sermon at this point. I think his size is what really, um, sells it for me because I think that he gives them uh, a stronger anchor and pass protection back there, which you're going to have to do. Like, yes, the receiving threat or being receiving threat is important when we're talking about third down work, but you also have to be able to protect the quarterback. Um, and I think that Sermon offers them the most, um, physically imposing, um, you know, of the group, he, I think he's the most physically imposing of the group, and due to that, he has a little bit better chance to really develop into that, uh, you know, pass protecting threat back there. I, I think if Jeff Wilson makes the roster too, it makes a lot of sense. He's a vet; he's been in the system. I think Shanahan trusts him a lot, so it's kind of dependent on that. Uh, if if, if Wilson doesn't make the roster, I would say Sermon, but if he 
does I, I have to believe it's going to be Jeff Wilson just because he's a guy that again Shanahan trusts and that's one thing when you're talking about coaches having the amount of say that Kyle does they are going to value vets like crazy they're going to want guys that they know are going to be in the right spot that they know they can rely on that are going to understand the protections that are called that are going to run the right route um, uh, be able to read the defense coming at them and I think that Jeff Wilson probably would be the uh, lead for that and to close off to you know Elijah Mitchell said the other day during his pressure presser sorry that he is uh, he spent the offseason really focusing on honing in on what he needs to do to stay on the field on third downs more. That's one thing he wanted to attack in the offseason was getting more third down work. So just like KP said, yeah, he, he had a rep that didn't go so great. And on the very next rep, caught the ball. And I really liked he stuck his hand into the ground, kept his balance and was able to turn up field. It was kind of a 50-50. He might have gotten tackled there. But I thought that the, the ability to rebound from that and have a really solid rep and uh, turn what looked like could have been a big chunk play um, had there not been, you know, had there been pads on, it had been live action. I, I really respect that. And that's one thing from this 49ers camp that I'm really taking away. You're going to have a lot of give and take, but there's been a number of occasions when I go through my notes where a player gets beat or has a bad rep or drops a ball and the very next opportunity they get, they seem to maximize it. And that's one thing that stood out a lot to me compared to last year. You're not getting these strings of really bad reps. The rebounding has been really good. And I don't know if that's just, you know, a coincidence and that'll change or if there's something going on with the coaching and the, uh, whatever's happening off to the side where they're really picking each other up. But there's been a really, really strong ability for guys to rebound after bad reps during this camp. Yeah, you mentioned Wilson, and that's a good point just because back in 2019, like when they were at their peak, he was the third down back against Arizona. Everybody remembers that game-winning catch, but I think Shanahan trusts his pass protection the most, and it's not just about catching the ball. Like You have to be able to protect your quarterback, and the last thing you're probably going to do is uh, trust a rookie or a second-year running back. So before you get out of here, of course, we have to talk about the quarterback, you mentioned that it, um, you know, people have heard that he had a rough day. So third, he went three for eight is what I had him for. And again, th those numbers are probably going to be off from other people just because like it's it's tough to count sacks or give him credit when uh, one of the defensive linemen clearly tags him and it, the play wouldn't have counted or uh, one of the refs call offsides or a penalty on the defense or offense. So uh, three for eight, um, he looked really good in the red zone. There was one play that was like, the highlight of the day is when he had to roll right. He kind of got flushed from the pocket, had to throw a little bit of a fadeaway, and he came from like submarine almost. It was sidearm submarine where he hit Brandon Ayuk, who Charvarius Ward was all over him. It was great. Um, it was great coverage. Uh, what what Ayuk did was he ran a little pivot route where he faked like he was going inside on the play action, came back outside. Again, Lance was under pressure, so he's fading. He has to throw from a different arm angle. The ball is over the outstretched arms of Ward, so he can't get it. Ayuk has to get both feet in bounds. Just looks like a, I'm sure the 49ers are going to tweet it out later, but when, once that happens, it'll be like, whoa. Like Those are the type of throws that you, you really don't see. But um, like he, there were some misses. There's no doubt about it. But I couldn't tell whether – they were because of option routes. They were. It was a throwaway. Uh, there was one that really stood out that um, seemed like an option route where uh, Debo's running up. Like again, they're they're doing play action shots, and all of these are down the field. So another thing, like when you see a guy go three for eight, which is, I think like thirty seven percent, understand that there has to be context here. Uh, for example, one one time he threw to Debo, had a step, should have been a touchdown. Debo dropped it. Like there's nothing the quarterback could do there. Uh, I mentioned Mitchell dropped it as well, but he had a, he had one where he overthrew Ayuk on a deep crossing route. Uh, there was another one where um, it seemed like it was like 30 yards down the field, which again it seems like almost every throw. Which I love, by the way. I love the variance. 
and I couldn't tell if he was throwing it away or if he just missed Ayuk. It was in it was in the like double coverage. It would have been a tough completion, but uh, that's one thing that we, we're gonna have to keep an eye on how his chemistry, how Lance's chemistry is with um, Debo, because I mean he missed a week, and I know it doesn't seem like much, but th- those are a lot of throws to work with. What not just in team periods, but in individual, and just getting the timing down with each other. Um, other than that, though, I, I didn't think he had a bad day um, at all. I, I thought that was interesting that there was a design quarterback run and not like a read, um, zone read, but it was up the middle. So the play went for like eight yards, which is pretty impressive. Um, but other than that, yeah, like his stats don't look great, but I, I still think he looks good on third downs. I still think he looks good in the red zone. And uh, the the accuracy is still inconsistent. Like, again, there are throws where he misses – why like he'll spray the throw and it's not close and then there are other plays like i mentioned the iu touchdown where like there's there's nowhere else you can put the ball the ball is perfect but uh, did you have any lance takeaways before we get out of here yeah um the biggest takeaway that i had in a generalized sense and this might be encouraging because football is played with pads on i think he practices much better with pads i think he looks better throwing the football with pads like overall he looks much better when the pads were on versus not uh, I don't know if I'm reading too much into it or if the sample size is large enough, but there's a clear between the way mechanics look and the way he's delivering the football with pads on versus not. And again, he looks better to me with the pads on. And that's obviously much more encouraging than having it be the other way around. But that's something that I'm definitely going to keep an eye on. Um, I believe the pads will be back on Friday. Uh, and it'll definitely be something that I'll be watching closely because it seems like there's a pretty clear difference between the two. I don't know if that's something you noticed too. The shoulders probably the the pads are restricting him from doing what he's used to doing. So I wonder if taking the pads off is going to kind of start that over. And now he has to um, just I don't know if he's like focusing too much on it or what. But uh, the 49ers have the day off Thursday. They'll be back on Friday. So will we. So we will have updates with how Lance is looking to how the defense is looking. So stay tuned. Uh, Please, as always, rate, subscribe, review, leave us five stars wherever it is you get your podcast. And we'll be back on Friday.